As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Don't be in a hurry to place the first person that's coming in to apply for your property. Be confident that you're going to have more leads coming in and really maintain the standards you want to have for your particular property in that particular area. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing? Maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fun That Flip. You know Fun That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Kevin Ortner. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing good, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Kevin. He is the president and CEO of Renters Warehouse. And holy cow, his company services over 13,000 investors and close to 20,000 properties under management in 42 markets and 25 states across the U.S. Headquartered in Minneapolis, Minnesota, we got to dig into this. So Kevin, how about you tell us a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Certainly. I've been investing in real estate since I was a freshman in college. Bought a duplex to live in. And I thought if I buy a duplex and I rent out one side and live in the other, I could probably live rent-free, which sounded like a fantastic idea. Turns out I ended up cash flowing that property a couple hundred bucks a month. So it was even a better idea. And I got the hook. And I've been investing in real estate ever since. I actually, in a previous life, as I graduated out of college, was a corporate pilot and flew corporate jets around, but at the same time, continued to build my real estate portfolio through rentals and ultimately ended up getting into the property management business with Renters Warehouse, which is what I do full-time here today, and joined the company just after it started about 10 years ago. We were a local, small residential property management company focusing on single-family homes. And uh, fast forward 10 years, we're now in, as you mentioned, 42 markets across 20 plus states, 
servicing almost 20,000 single-family homes and small multifamily buildings across the country. So it's been quite the ride. So do you all, just from a structure standpoint for how you manage in 42-plus different markets in the U.S., do you all have partnership property management companies locally where you do some sort of partnership with them, or do you have just district and regional managers that you oversee? We don't outsource anything to other companies, so we do it all internally, all ourselves. So we've built the infrastructure semi-nationally at this point where we're managing properties in those markets ourselves. So some of it's through a franchise network. Early on in the business, we expanded nationally through a franchise model. Uh-huh. A nice way uh-huh. for a couple of chronic entrepreneurs to grab some market share and expand is through a franchise model. Two years ago, we sold the majority stake of our business to a private equity firm out of Minneapolis as well. And we were able to get the growth capital that we needed to turn the business into more of a corporate expansion model and open corporate locations across the country. So with that said, every market we're in, every office we're in is renters, warehouse employees on the ground doing the property management work or renters, warehouse, leasing agents or realtors that work exclusively for us in all those markets as well. So we control every aspect of it under our name and with our people. Mm. So originally, I want to make sure I'm getting this right because this is an important aspect of your growth. Originally, it was a franchise model and then you sold to a private equity firm a couple years ago and then it went to a corporate model? That's correct. So we had between... Really, 2011 and the end of 2015, we sold 28 franchises across the country. Beginning in 2016, we started to roll some of those franchises back into our business and also expand corporately, opening corporate locations across the country. So the beginning of 2016, we had one corporate location here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I'm from, and that was our only corporate location. Everything else was a franchise. Fast forward to today, we have 25 corporate locations throughout the country and 17 franchises left of those 28. So we rolled some into our corporate expansion. We still have some fantastic franchise partners out there that are doing a great job growing the Renters Warehouse name in their cities. And we continue to open the new markets under our corporate umbrella at the same time. And from a business standpoint, I mean, you're the president and the CEO, so this is right in your wheelhouse. Why start with franchising and then move away from it and have the corporate model? Franchising early on was a very capitally efficient way to expand the business and grow the business. Myself and the founder of the business were a couple of broke entrepreneurs and we started the business, we like to say, and being able to leverage other great, talented people across the country and their capital to expand our brand was a good idea. I really wanted to move from that franchise model to a corporate store model, really for a couple of reasons. The first being really being able to control the service quality and consistency of what we're doing across the country. But even more importantly than that was we can really make this business very, very efficient. And from a business owner's perspective, increase our margins through centralizing a lot of our backend services. So as we grow across the country into new markets, and as I mentioned, went from one corporately to 25 over just under two years, we're centralizing a lot of what we're able to back into two of our hubs, which is Minneapolis and Phoenix. So by that, I mean things like uh, all the accounting for all the owners of our properties and rent collection, maintenance coordination, any of those call center type activities. So we'll do a lot of that work back here in Minneapolis. It allows us to hire and train very easily instead of having to find someone new and, and have a great 
training program. I have to send people into different markets for them to figure out how to do this business at a high level. We're able to put people into a great group of people we have here in Minneapolis or Phoenix and just engulf them in this business. And so they're getting up to speed faster. The service quality and consistency remains very high that way. And we're also able to manage more properties per individual that way as well. So from a business growth perspective, we wanted to be able to centralize that for efficiencies in our business. And it also allows us to do something really unique from a corporate perspective, which is we can service larger investors that have properties in multiple cities in a whole new way. So we have an investor client of ours that owns about 1,700 homes across three different markets, St. Louis, Kansas City, and Cincinnati. And prior to Renner's Warehouse, he had seven different property managers. Mm-hmm. He had a couple in St. Louis, a couple in Kansas City, a couple in Cincinnati, because they were he was using some local smaller mom and pop property managers, which did a fine job. But they were smaller themselves, so they couldn't take on a thousand doors in the city. They didn't have the resources or the capital to be able to do that. So he had to split it up. And he spent a lot of his time managing his property managers because the processes were different. The accounting reports were different. The collections procedures were different. All these things were a little different. And he spent a lot of time just managing those people, whereas he moved his business over to Renner's Warehouse. Even though he's in several different states, he has the same process, the same accounting reports, procedures, institutional level reporting and accounting, and one point of contact. So even though we're operating in multiple cities, he's able to call into one portfolio manager and discuss his entire portfolio versus just the one segment that a property manager had before. So that was the big strategic reason why we moved to a corporate model was we could really service investors across the country in a very different way than available in the past. And frankly, as of today, we're one of the only ones that can do that across the country at scale, whether you have properties in Florida or Seattle, Washington, you're able to call one property manager have us manage those queries. So that's really what we're trying to build. And that was the big strategy behind the change in business model. Your ideal client is someone who has a lot of properties in a couple different markets and is looking to consolidate point people and efficiencies, right? Yeah, I think that's one of our ideal clients, but we are still really focused on what we call our retail client or someone who's just getting into real estate investing. And frankly, they own a lot of the market share, depending on what number you look at, what units you include. If you're looking at the kind of the one to four unit building, 18 and a half million of those units are owned by 18 and a half million people. So that person who owns one unit is a big part of this market segment for us. We want to focus on them. We want to be able to have them go from owning one property to two or from two to three. And I think what's unique about that is today, a lot of people can only buy, not can only buy, but oftentimes they do only buy in their backyard because it's where they're familiar with, they live there, they know their realtor contacts there, they have a property manager there, or they do it themselves. And with a national platform like this, we're really making it possible for people to invest across state lines or in an entirely different part of the country. So we have a lot of people that come to us out of places like California and New York, where it just doesn't make sense to necessarily buy a single family home or a condo to rent. The yields aren't there, the returns aren't there. But it makes a ton of sense to go into the Rust Belt in places like St. Louis, Kansas City, down into Texas or Alabama, where your money can go a long ways on a property and the rents are great and you get high yields and high cash and cash returns. But in the past, it's been, okay, I can find them. And with today's technology evolving and companies out there like Roofstock, you can certainly find the assets, but how do you operate them? So we're really trying to solve that operations problem where you don't have to go and interview a local property manager or fly in to check on your property very often. 
you can use a well-known national company that's maybe even in your backyard and go and speak with us there, but allow you to diversify where you can buy your next asset. So not only is it the large investor that owns properties in multiple markets or multiple regions, but I think just the smaller investor who wants to continue to expand his or her portfolio and have the opportunity to buy and maybe a different state or, or outside just their backyard, we're providing a whole new solution for them as well. What's one thing that you all have improved upon, and I'm sure it's all aspects, but just one thing in particular that you all had to improve upon from when you started to today in terms of management? And I'm asking this for the best ever listeners who self-manage now and can pick up a tip or two from you since you're overseeing a large operation? Yeah, I think for us, we always say it comes down to the leasing and the tenants we're placing in property. Everything else can kind of start to fall in line with that. So that's tip number one, and I'll expand on that because I have two I'd like to share with the best ever listeners. But the first is it all starts with that tenant. So don't be in a hurry to place the first person that's coming in to apply for your property. Be confident that you're going to have more leads coming in and really maintain the standards you want to have for your particular property in that particular area. Because placing the right tenant makes maintenance fall into line. There's generally fewer maintenance requests. Obviously, rent collection is easier with the right people, that kind of stuff. So as we've evolved our business, we continue to make sure we do a great job placing tenants. And we do that by really trying not to have to limit the people we're looking at. So we spend a lot of time and effort on how we market our properties, where we market them. We've got proprietary listing syndication tools that allow us to generate tens and tens of thousands of tenant leads a month on our thousand or so listings we have every month across the country. And we're able to, as we process background checks and applications, we do a very thorough background check, share that with our property owners and our investors, and they can maybe turn one down that's borderline for them, knowing that hopefully later this week, we're going to have another one pop up. So we're renting homes in less than two weeks on average across the country. And with that, we're able to, we think, place very high quality tenants in the home. And that's the start of a great property management relationship with your tenant in your home. So that's number one. Take your time on that. Vet the tenants as thoroughly as possible and don't settle. You make sure you're getting what you think is going to be a great tenant for your home. Number two is really you got to treat this like a business. I run into a lot of people who manage homes themselves and they ask me the same thing. What's that number one tip that can help me make my property more profitable or things less stressful for me? And it's very much treat it like a business, not just a hobby, not just that rental property you have down the street. And what I mean by that is ensure that you're consistent with your tenant on how you're collecting rent or how you're going after them if they are late. Make sure you are taking care of your preventative maintenance or taking care of maintenance requests quickly when they do come in to save yourselves bigger expense or legal problems down the road with the leases. I think that's the advantages of sometimes outsourcing for people who don't have the time to dedicate that they really need to do a great job or just some people don't have that right personality to be very, very consistent or methodical in the rent collection process. And obviously, being this is our business, that's one of the things I think we do best is make sure that we're setting the right expectations with our tenants, that here's the contract and here's how we're going to follow the contract and follow up with you on things like rent collection, making sure you're paying your rent on time and things like that. So put the right tenant in place. That's the best way to start. And then number two is make sure you treat it like a business and stay consistent with how you're following up. What would be an aspect that you all typically are head and shoulders better than 
the mom and pop owner in terms of management. So when you take a property over, you know that you're nine times out of 10 going to do much better in this area. I think it comes down to one, leasing. We're great at leasing. We just talked a little bit about that. But the other one really comes down to expense management, maintenance coordination. Because we are a larger national company, we've got a lot of buying power. We're getting fantastic maintenance rates. We don't have any of that happening in-house. We outsource all of our maintenance on our homes to third-party vendors. But with that being said, we bring on only licensed-bonded insured vendors, people with good reputations, and we're able to approach them essentially as a buying club and say, if, if you're going to work with us, we need you to extend discounts to our clients and leverage our buying power in that way. And so not only are we getting maintenance that's coming in maybe cheaper than the retail prices or what a smaller business can buy for, but we also have a great highly trained professionals in our office and our call centers when maintenance requests are coming in, where we're trying to do call avoidance. We're talking tenants through how to check and understand if their circuit breaker's been tripped, and that's why the power's not working, versus having to send an electrician out to find that out. We'll walk them through how to do that. Maybe the garbage disposal's not working, and we discuss different things you can check there, or whatever it might be, a lot of different examples. So that call avoidance and really trying to shoulder some of that internally and work with tenants through maintenance requests. But if we do have to send someone, having that buying power and that leverage with our vendors and keeping those costs down is an area where we can really shine. Now let's pretend that you don't work at Renters Warehouse anymore. You have created your own property management company and you have a portfolio of, say, 50 properties that you oversee the management of and you're looking to grow, but only in Minneapolis. What would be a talking point to a prospective landlord who's looking to decide between you and Renters Warehouse, where you in this new company would have a competitive advantage? Wow. That's a good question and not one that's ever been posed to me before. Wanted to grow only in Minneapolis as a new company. I think the competitive advantage for a small property management company over Renters Warehouse in a local market might come down to you're going to talk to someone who manages very few properties or a smaller portfolio. You're going to talk direct to that person. You're going to be working directly with me as the owner of that new company and probably have a lot of time with me, a lot of strategy conversations with me, and maybe a little bit more one-on-one. If you're working with Renters Warehouse, well, you have access to a whole team of professionals that are helping you through the process. You are talking to multiple people often. And sometimes we hear that from our clients. Hey, I'm talking to a couple of different folks and I want to just talk with one. We don't manage properties that way. We don't necessarily have portfolio managers. We have specialists in different departments that really understand how to handle that accounting or that rent collection or the maintenance coordination on your home. And that's not for everybody. So some folks really definitely want to have a more intimate relationship with that portfolio manager. And I would say that's probably where our competitors or me in this scenario, if I'm growing into business, <laughs> and say that's how we're a little different. And maybe if you're going to make me say it, maybe how that it could be better for some people. I love looking at both sides of the coin, right? I'm sure it's a good exercise for you too. And I do the same thing for my business just to make sure we have all bases covered. Okay. So what is your best real estate investing advice ever for landlords? I think it is looking at the long haul, look at it at the long term perspective. I like to say this is a get rich slow game, not get rich quick. And the business I'm in with investing in rentals and investing in real estate is 
it's not as say sexy as some of the rehabbing and the flipping where people are walking away with huge paychecks in a short amount of time, but I think it can be more stable, can be less risky, and it can really set people up for retirement security, financial freedom, a secure future for the long haul. So I encourage people to take things, look at it from a long-term perspective, make sure you're putting the right mortgages and loans on your properties and understand how some of the small decisions you make today to maybe buy and hold more property versus buy and rehab and put more property can really be a game changer for you in 10, 15, or 20 years. So that would be my biggest and best investing advice for the best listeners here is be patient. Sometimes the rewards aren't necessarily immediate, but the long term and constantly look at how you're going to build your portfolio over the long haul to be a big game changer for you when you need that financial freedom and security come retirement. What's your number one focus right now as the president of the company? Number one focus for us is actually to address some of what we just talked about with the competitive advantage of a smaller person and the challenges of growing a big national business is to continue to increase our level of client services for our clients, to increase how we interact with our clients, and also how we can give them, frankly, the best advice ever, whether they're managing a portfolio of one or a portfolio of a thousand. We really want to take an institutional level approach that we work with with our large investors and be able to boil that down to someone who owns one home and look at how that asset's performing for them instead of just on a monthly cash flow basis or understanding if it's going to be there for the long haul with them. But maybe that's not the perfect home and we could sell that and buy something new. So we want to take institutional level approach, bring it down to the person who owns one home or two homes and allow them to have a lot more options and a lot more data around their home to make great decisions. But also then how we're delivering that to them and continually training and evolving our team to be better and better at delivering this service to our clients. If I have one house and I move it over to you all, what are the fees involved on that management? We're a flat fee management company, so we don't do a percentage based or anything like that. We have two main fees, which is one is our leasing fee or what we call our tenant placement fee, and that's equal to one month's rent. And then join a management program, depending on the market and where we are across the country, the fee is either $89 a month flat fee or $99 a month flat fee. And those are the two fees you're going to see. So what we did when we've been building this business and growing it is we tried to really flip it on its head and say, let's go away from the percentage base or some of the, the, shall we call it, nickel and dime approach to fees in this industry, standardize it, make it simple and easy to understand. And those are the two main fees we have across the business. Since it's a flat fee, the flip side is you're not incentivized to maximize the rent. What are your thoughts on that? I think we absolutely are for a couple of reasons. One, our leasing agents yeah. are paid on a rent basis. So they're going to keep trying to maximize it when we're bringing in new tenants. But two, we're always very concerned about ensuring that our investors stay with us for the long haul. That monthly management, having a large client base of the long term is important. The only way that's really going to happen is if people are getting good returns and continually having a good investment. And so that's addressing, ensuring people stay with us and have a good experience and are seeing that their assets are performing is important as well. So on the front end, being directly tied to that rent price for our agents and also our commissions we're earning on leasing is big. And when it comes time for renewals and all that kind of stuff, being sure that we're getting market rents or being able to increase them, that's what's going to make our clients actually stay around with us. What is the resident renewal fee, if any at all? For the resident, in some markets, we charge a $100 fee to residents as we go through the renewal process. 
and that is with some of the additional background screening and inspections we're doing of the property at renewal time. And for a property owner, there's a renewal fee. It varies a bit by market depending on where we're at, but it's anywhere between $299 and $350 come lease renewal time. Then how are maintenance fees handled? Maintenance is a direct pass-through. We don't actually have a markup on any maintenance. So you'll see the original invoice that comes through from our maintenance vendors on your property. And again, our goal is to have any maintenance that's done in your home for any of our investors be at below retail price. If you were just to call up a plumber out of the phone book, when you use our network, you're going to see that that came through at a lower cost to you than you would have gotten on your own. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right. Well, then let's do it first. A quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at TargetMarketInsights.com. That's TargetMarketInsights.com. Best ever book you've read. The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Best ever deal you've done. Oh, I bought a duplex in Rochester, Minnesota. It was a rehab to rental. I bought the property with a hard money loan from a hard money lender that I work with here in Minneapolis. Rehabbed the property. Was able to increase the value enough where my conventional takeout financing covered 100% of the money I had into the property. So I'm in for essentially $0 out of my pocket. And the property cash flow is 350 bucks a month. So just a fantastic deal. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that you haven't talked about? Biggest mistake would be I invested in a rehab or a flip deal I was doing in an unknown area. It was in Minneapolis, but it wasn't a neighborhood I'd done a lot of research on or have ever invested in before. And I didn't do enough homework. Didn't ask the right questions. So I bought the wrong kind of home, did the wrong things to it, and ended up taking a long time to sell it and a loss on that one. Best ever way you like to give back? I like to give back locally. So it's important for me that a lot of the organizations or causes I support are local. They're affecting my community in which I live. So I do that by partnering with local organizations at Renters Warehouse. We'll do that locally in Minneapolis, but also our offices throughout the country. Our folks in those offices will pick local organizations to partner with. But I love, uh, as far as where I give back, I do a lot of youth mentoring We give back as a company to veterans organizations or other homeless organizations and also volunteer time there, hopefully giving encouragement to people who are down on their luck that we do care and that there's better days ahead. Best ever way the best ever listeners can get in touch with you or learn more about your company. Renterswarehouse.com is the company website. All the information that the best ever listeners need to find out about us is there. And the best way to reach me, learn more about me is LinkedIn. Just search Kevin Orton or LinkedIn. You're going to find all the information there. Kevin, thank you for being on the show. I, I enjoyed our conversation and enjoyed learning about your company. You're an overnight success oh, in 10 years. 
it's great it's great to see it it's great to hear your progress and holy cow what a staple of properties that you all have in your management portfolio your approach and your advice for the landlords the best ever listeners who are landlords and currently managing their own properties one don't be in a hurry so that you're confident you're finding the right resident to put in there and two treat it like a business for example what you all have a focus on is the maintenance coordination so you can avoid the maintenance call the plumber the electrician etc coming out there to fix things and trying to work with the resident proactively on that or at least trying to be a stopgap so that you don't have that maintenance call so thanks for being on the show really enjoyed learning about the evolution of your company hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon Thanks for having me, Joe. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at TargetMarketInsights.com. That's TargetMarketInsights.com.